Welcome to Struggleberry Crunch, the best podcast to explore the flavor of your struggle. With your host, Terriana. Hello, Struggleberries. Welcome to Struggleberry Crunch, the best podcast to help you navigate your quarter life crisis and explore the flavor of your struggle. I'm your host, Terriana. If you're new here, welcome. The purpose of this podcast is to help you create a safe and uplifting space to struggle. My goal here is to share my experience with you and hope it inspires you to share your experience with others. So without further ado, I'm ready to get into this episode. Let's set the vibe of it with a quote. Where there is no struggle, there is no strength. Oprah Winfrey. When I was growing up, I struggled with my blackness. Sometimes it's hard to describe what it's like to be black because it's a unique experience to each individual. Each black person has a different perspective and idea of what it's like to be black. Today, I'm going to talk about different experiences that have shaped my blackness. You will get to know me on a deeper level, the type of level that follows me around every day. Please remember, This is my experience and my own words. Your words and experiences may be different from mine, and that's okay. Quick warning, if you are highly sensitive to topics dealing with race, discrimination, or the word Karen, this episode is not for you. I encourage you to keep an open mind and an open heart. Now get ready. This is the story of a yellow girl living in a vanilla world. What? are you? I have been hearing that question all of my life. It's at least one of the first three questions that people ask me when they first see me. It goes something like, how are you? Where are you from? What are you? To be honest, I can't think of anybody that's more confused by that question than myself. I was so unsure of how to answer it when I was growing up. I knew I was black and I knew my parents were black but I was confused of what being black truly meant. I say that because everybody in my family was a different shade of brown. I've always referred to this as the brown rainbow. Such a beautiful rainbow it is. However, an average rainbow has seven colors. The brown rainbow has like a hundred. The point is, as I got older, I realized that black is diverse and it's not easy thing to define. From Puerto Rican to Dominican to Creole, many people have either assumed my blackness or denounced it altogether. Today, I'm proud to be black. I feel empowered, the story that my skin color tells. I understand the light skin privilege, and I also can relate to and appreciate the struggle that many black people have endured just for being born. I hope you gain some insight from my version of the black experience. Schooling while black. I used to be ashamed of the way I looked, and going to a predominantly white school in Bellevue, Nebraska, didn't help either. Every day I went to school with kids that looked nothing like me, and they reminded me of it every single day. Not only were the kids confused by my looks, but I was too. I had short, thick, coily hair that I kept in French braids, very full lips, a little wide nose, and pale, pasty skin. If you saw me, and you were from a suburban vanilla area and didn't understand the brown rainbow yourself, 
you probably would have taken a second look too. And I completely understand that. However, going to public school was a battlefield for me. The problem wasn't the stairs. The problem was the response from the stairs. The elementary school kids were ruthless. They would call me garage nose, light bright, half breed, and anything else they could think of to make me feel like crap. But the real hardcore trauma and bullying was centered around my lips. For some strange reason, elementary school kids and soon future adults were obsessed over the size of my lips. As the elementary school years went on, kids got more creative in the names they called my lips. As a nine-year-old, if I had a nickel for every time a little grade school butthole insulted my mouth, I would be a freaking billionaire. Trust me. Things got a lot better in middle school. Everybody was unattractive, and it seemed like we were all on an even playing field. Don't get me wrong, I was still getting teased, but not as bad as elementary school. It also was the first time in my life where I was surrounded by the most Black kids I've ever been around in school. In the eighth grade, I found my posse, which was comprised of the most talented, interesting, and courageous young Black women of all time. I included myself, by the way. I have so many stories of my adventures with these little ladies in our middle school days, but for now, I want to share what they taught me. One, we all have a story and each one is unique. Two, we all have a purpose, even if others won't admit it. And three, never stop standing up for what's right. All I ever wanted was real friends, and I found it in those girls. Today, one of those girls in our group is a famous model, continuing to break barriers for Black women of all shades. Another member of our group is a famous YouTuber, ESL teacher, and world traveler. All the other three members of our group have gone on to do great things as well. And as for me, well, you'll just have to keep learning along the way. By the time I got to high school, my posse got split up among different schools, and it was one of the loneliest times in my life. Once again, my school was more vanilla than an ice cream cone, had no sense of cultural awareness, and led me on a new path of self-discovery for my Blackness. During that time, I found out that I was pretty for a Black girl, had a nice butt, and could sing well enough to gain some attention. That became my empty identity in high school. It was the only thing that seemed like it added value to me. There were so many Black jokes that weren't even funny, and humiliating moments that encouraged me to eat lunch in the bathroom, hide in the library, and go straight home every day after school. It wasn't until sophomore year I read and was inspired by the autobiography of Malcolm X. It was one of the few books that I actually read consistently cover to cover. Then junior year, I took a class called Multicultural Studies. It was one of the best electives I've ever stumbled upon as a lifelong learner. In that class, there were so many different ethnicities and races. Each week, we learned about a different racial group and the history that they had with America. I felt like I had a voice in that class and that my opinion was valid. When we got to Black Culture Week, I felt so empowered. We watched a documentary called The N-Word, Do the Right Thing by Spike Lee, and believe it or not, that's the class where my Caucasian teacher introduced us to the concept of white privilege. It was classes like that that made me feel like I mattered. That class made me feel like our story isn't just slavery and the civil rights movement, but that the marathon continues. I get to be a part of a generation 
that helps continue and expand the narrative of Black lives as we come closer to the possibility of our version of a happy ending. By senior year, that possibility seemed even closer as I prepared to be one of the first people in my family to go to college, later graduate, and get my first BS job. Working while Black I got my first job as a hostess when I was 17 years old. I worked at a restaurant that was very popular in Bellevue and a great flexible place for teenagers to work. As the months went on, I started to notice that Black people didn't last long there, and I was the only Black person experiencing consistent employment by that establishment. And trust me, I wasn't the only one that noticed. A couple of months in, I remembered that it was a nice typical day at work and I was settling into my hosting shift accordingly. A few hours later, an interesting Caucasian lady in her mid-80s walked in and sat in the booth in front of me. The lady was wearing a smelly jean-stained dress and wore a peculiar look on her face of confusion for the first 30 minutes of her visit. Eventually, the lady slowly raised her shaky hand in covert efforts to call me over to her table. The lady had been staring at me for at least 15 minutes straight, so I made sure I walked over there pleasantly, but cautiously as well. As I approached the table, the lady proceeded to say, Excuse me, dear. How are you? I said, Fine. Then she asked, Where are you from? I said, Nebraska. Then she looked at me with even more confusion and seemed to muster up the courage to say, Let me ask you something else. What exactly are you? Even though I knew exactly what she was referring to, I followed with the statement, I'm not sure what you mean, ma'am. Can you be more specific? The lady then proceeded to ask me, My dear, are you half Negro? You heard me correctly. With the biggest smile on my face, I looked at the lady and said proudly, No, ma'am, I'm full Negro. And then I walked away confidently after telling the lady, I have to get back to work. Now, I haven't been everywhere yet, but in my experience, if you want to find out what a stranger truly thinks of you without even asking for their opinion, go behind a customer service desk, give them a microphone labeled Karen, and enjoy the show. I've had so many inappropriate, ignorant questions directed at me throughout my part-time job career. For example... Do you have lip injections? Why do you look black and white at the same time? Is that real? Is it true what they say about black women? And everyone's favorite question of all time, can I touch your hair? The hair thing was always a hot topic at work. I personally always struggled with my hair for many reasons. It was one of those things that no one could relate to unless they had it themselves. I spent so many years straightening it, relaxing it, and damaging it in order to fit in. Eventually, I gave up and kept it in my favorite protective style, which is known as box braids. This was the only style that I truly felt beautiful in. I loved it, and it loved me back. I remember back in the day, at some jobs, I would take home a pamphlet of the dress code that read, No braids, no dreads, no twists, etc. So basically... Leave your culture at home. It's not professional here. But I didn't care. I spent at least 20 years of my life in braids, and I wasn't going to stop then, and I won't stop now. My hair has always been one of the biggest things that contributed to my identity as a Black person. 
Fast forward to 2021, thank goodness for the Crown Act that allows men and women to wear their hair in the style that works best for their hair type. I don't live in fear anymore of my hair or the possibility that it would prevent me from getting a job. But would it prevent me from getting a date? I don't know. Let's see. Dating while black. Do you all remember the childhood board game, Guess Who? That is exactly how my dating life can be described up until this point in my life. I never knew what I was going to get. Dating while black has been extremely interesting, especially when it comes to the men that I've met in Nebraska. California too, but that's another story for another time. In 2014, I started dating when I was 20 years old. Up until that age, I didn't have any real experience with men. It wasn't until I met this guy, we're just going to call him Taco Bell, when that all changed. He was the first guy, let alone the only white guy, that I ever dated. I knew him from high school, but we didn't have an official conversation until our sophomore year of college. Back in high school, we were both kind of outcasts, so it made the relationship that much more interesting to see how far we had come since then. I always enjoyed hearing about his hopes, dreams, and aspirations when we imagined life after college. He was heavily involved in politics and wanted to run for office someday. And at the time, I wanted to be an intern at the White House and work for the UN someday. It seemed like such a cool match. Eventually, we officially started dating and really getting to know each other on a deeper level. At times, he would ask me questions about being Black or always made it clear that this was his first time dating a Black woman. People would stare at us at restaurants, at the park, and anywhere public engagements took place. Besides elementary school kids, it felt like him and society would always remind me that you are Black and don't forget it. Throughout our relationship, that part of it bothered me the most. But I was too distracted by my feelings for Taco Bell that I couldn't read between the lines of what he was really trying to say to me. We spent the whole summer together and I had so much fun. I had my first real kiss... I got a new job, I made new friends, and learned so much about American history that I never thought that I would. It was all because of him. It wasn't until I wanted to get serious and ask him about going exclusive before we started back at school in the fall. That was when I received some of the most hurtful words in my entire life. After three months, he had been acting differently since we first met. He didn't seem as into me as he once was before. And I thought it was a good time to talk about it. One day at his home, after a crazy day at the zoo with his family, I popped the question. So, it's the end of the summer, and I was wondering, where do we go from here? How do you feel about me? Be honest. He looked at me and said, do you really want me to be honest? I said, of course I do. He took a long, deep breath and said, well... I've given it a lot of thought. You know, we're going back to university in the fall, and there's going to be a lot of new people there. And I want to meet those people. To answer your question, do I see a future with you? Well, I also realized that I want my children to look like me someday. I was confused as heck, and I said, what do you mean by that? He said, not to hurt your feelings. But to put it in perspective for you, I would marry Emma Stone, but not Nicki Minaj. I'm finding myself attracted to Black women, but I don't want to marry them. 
I never felt more inferior than that moment in my entire life. I remember feeling so unattractive and distraught. The last thing he said to me before I stormed out of his house was, I'm not sure if I'm making the worst decision of my life or the best decision for the both of us. I didn't know then, but that moment and those words would carry so much weight in the future when it came to self-love, self-care, and self-worth. Now, the moment you've all been waiting for. What is the flavor of my struggle with my blackness? The flavor of my struggle with my blackness is chocolatey. That may sound cliche or even bizarre, but it makes sense to me. Chocolate comes in all different forms and is an underrated, unappreciated nutrient that adds so much value to this world. For many years, I didn't appreciate or understand myself or my blackness as much as I do now. I am proud to be who I am and continue to learn about myself and my past every day. The only person that I need acceptance from is myself. Once you accept yourself, the world will have to accept you no matter what. Life is about 10% of what happens to you and 90% of what you do about it. We can't change the past, but we can influence our future. So I ask you, Struggleberries, what is one thing in your life that people have misjudged you about? How can you take back that power today? How can you embrace this struggle, find solutions, and take action? For real this time. No matter who you are or what you have been through, I know that you can relate to many of my stories in some way or another. Let's not let color, creed, gender, or status divide us, but bring us together and learn from one another. I want to hear from you, Struggleberries. What did you think of today's episode? Do you have any ideas for future episodes? If either one of these questions intrigue you, please email strugglebearycrunch at gmail.com. That's Barry, B-E-R-R-Y. And last but not least, whichever platform this is on, please share, subscribe, and leave a comment if possible. Be respectful, but be real. Respectfully real. And help others. Until we meet again, Struggleberries, talk to you soon. Bye.